So hello and welcome. My name is Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with David De Angelis on the Starman Tarot. Now David began collaborating with David Bowie in the mid-90s, which began a creative working relationship that spans several years and many different projects, including development of, of art for the album Earthling and concepts for stage sets, books, products, websites and art shows. Inspired by this creative collaboration, David has spent years crafting a powerful visionary tarot deck that weaves together sacred geometry, alchemy, street culture, futuristic cosmologies, erotic sci-fi images, punk rock, experimental typography, magic, and the sacred teachings of the plant teachers and mystery traditions. Uh, the Stalman Tarot is a form of spirit technology. It's more than a tarot deck. It's a unification of art and magic. So, hi, David. Hi, Steve. Nice to speak to you. It seems like we're, we're, uh, we, we have a long history, so it feels like just yesterday that we were sitting in, uh, in my front room in Hampstead, and uh, we, we've journeyed so far since. Yeah. We've been friends for a while. You know, we've had, I've been around many lovely parties in your house, and I've known for a long time you've had this collaboration with David Bowie, but how did, how did it all begin, really? How did you meet David? Yeah, it's an. It, I mean, it's kind of an interesting story in a way, and possibly one that that will give a lot of people that are out there um, trying to launch ideas and do their creative things and get noticed, give give them some heart and and you know really not more, not hope but uh, inspiration as to how things can really knit together when the time's right. So I, I was running a, a, a design and media company called Denovo in London. At the time, this was probably about um, originally nine, around 1994, um, and that company—we were very innovative, and we were sort of like on on the the kind of cutting edge of, of what was going on back then. You know, a, a lot of things were changing. Uh, the internet had just kind of come come into life, and but there wasn't a lot going on, and we, we were really sort of trying to break new ground with. You know, both the art we were doing, the designs, and also the the delivery systems we were using. You know, we were interactive delivery systems, and normally uh, they say that there's there's many stages to um, create. Normally, things I can't remember was it Schopenhauer or someone uh, or Nietzsche. I can't remember which one it was. And I said, you know, uh, an idea or a philosophy first meets with enormous resistance. Then um, I think it's ridicule or something. Mm, mm. And then finally, you know, it sort of um, it, it works. It, somehow, it works its way into into the mainstream. Well, we, we were still on the first stage of that process back then, and we were pretty much uh, we'd spent a lot of money developing ideas and, and being very creative around them, and you know, taking these ideas to to some of the the really the, the top companies at the time, and including music companies and you know sort of saying look you know this is what we're doing this is it's it's very different but we feel this is going to be something that you're that is going to really take off and at the time they were going no no well not really you know we're, it, it all looks a bit kind of weird and strange and so we were literally on the verge of bankruptcy all right <laughs> we, we we painted ourselves into such a creative corner that we we almost didn't have anywhere to go and at that stage i kind of worked out i sat down one day and i worked out you know with the money that we've got in the bank, and if nothing else comes in, um, we've probably got about three months before the... Um, we actually owed money to the Inland Revenue and the Customs and Excise, which a bit like the IRS in uh, the United States. You know, these are the people you really don't want to owe money to. So 
we had a, a couple of really nasty big bills that we, we just didn't have the capacity to pay. So I kind of figured out with all of the final demand letters and stuff like that, that we had about three months if, if we didn't, nothing else happened. And we had all this wonderful equipment, and I had a, a whole head full of, like, in, you know, in my opinion, astonishing ideas and possibilities. And I just sat down with my business partner, Tom, and said, look, you know what? If we're going to go down, we might as well go down really in style. <laughs> and um, let's just spend the next three months just producing the most incredible work that we could ever think of doing. We've got all this, we've got you know, we had a wonderful studio. It all looked like Gaudi's temple. You know, was, mm. we spent all this money creating this studio, and it, you know, it, we, we had this incredible environment. We had all this amazing equipment. We just didn't have any clients. Mm. Um, so, literally, I sat down and I, I, I spent the next um, three months just producing the the kind of work that that I would always wanted to to produce. And we were sort of heading towards the end of this time when you know, obviously the 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 Grim Reaper was getting closer to the door. And one day I just received a phone call from um, a journalist friend of mine. And he said to me that, you know, they, they were originally running a story. There was a few magazines that he wrote for. He wrote for, I think, Sunday Times. He also wrote for Creative Review, a, mag you know, quite a, a well-distributed um, design magazine and creative magazine. And there was another one called Creative Technology, which was quite a new magazine, but it, it started to get quite a lot of traction. And he said, you know, we we, we were originally going to run a story on, I think it was Philip Stark or someone, you know, the, the sort of the French innovative product designer, um, who's still going strong to this day, I believe. Um, but he said, there's some issue with that, and we can't run the story. Have you got anything, have you got anything that you we could put on the cover and, and you know, We've got sort of five pages to fill up in the magazine, you know, a huge spread. You know, and of course I sat there with my heart pounding thinking, have I got... Mm. <laughs> I said to him, you can't believe what I've got for you. You know, come and have a look. So he came down to our studio and we showed, you know, sat him down and showed him this stuff and he just went, wow, this is amazing. I've never seen anything like it. So he, they ran, you know, like a, a whole massive story on the work that I produced and, you know, what the ethos of our studio and all of that. And um, lo and behold, um, the, the magazine came out and David Bowie was on, on a flight from London to New York at the time. And somehow, you know, he, he was always very tapped into what was going on creatively and, you know, obviously had a whole stack of creative magazines to go through on the journey. And uh, it came across the magazine that we were featured in and, and, the work, or you know, big spreads of the work, and the the idea, the ideology, the philosophy that we we had behind it, and uh, you know, very soon afterwards, I actually received a phone call from David Bowie himself, oh, right. <laughs> which was quite shocking in and of itself. I think there was a thing in the industry, in the music industry, that you know, like everyone's sitting there waiting for a phone call from David Bowie <laughs> at some point in their career, you know. Yeah, you got it, and uh, and I actually got the phone call from David Bowie. And uh, we, we were chatting on the phone for pretty much an hour or so. I mean, it, you know, it almost, you know, I didn't want to get off the phone, as you can imagine. Yeah. And, um, and at the end of it, you know, he invited me to, uh, to literally, like, work on a whole series of projects that he was doing. The first one was he was kind of relaunching himself with an album called Outside. 
which is very unusual experimental album. And it was the first time in many, many years that he'd got back with Brian Eno as the producer. So it was kind of a big deal, you know, and, and, and there was a lot riding on it, you know. So um, it, it was, it was, you know, like a great honor to be like brought in on that. And that, and that really led to a whole series of things that went on and, you know, kind of a, a very interesting creative relationship with Bowie himself, which, which was amazing. So you must have had lots of discussions with David Bowie over, over the years. He was ahead of the curve creatively, but did you have many spiritual discussions? Yeah, it's interesting because um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't put, put them in those kind of, in that framework exactly. I mean, what, what we did discuss was all of these kind of, I, I mean, I didn't actually discuss like sort of deep existential things with him. I almost didn't feel it was appropriate. It was a bit like a kind, when, with Bowie, you seem to already know him through his songs and his lyrics and stuff like that. Mm. So it was almost like, you know, I didn't need to ask too many questions on that level. But what we, we did explore, we, we explored a whole scope of different philosophies and ideas. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I mentioned this to you actually before we, we started the interview, um, uh, Hermes uh, Trismegistus, Trismegistus, it's a great name though, isn't it? It was Twister. You know, and the, the, the Hermetic Corpus, um, you know, all, all things like the, um, you know, the Philosopher's Stone, um, some forms of um, alchemy um, came up in the, in the work that we were doing. Um, obviously, the Tarot came up many, many times. And I think there's a whole website actually just devoted to the references to the tarot in, in the work, um, in the artwork, in the, the, the book that actually came with the outside album. Um, and I think he's actually even discovered a few that I, I didn't originally put in there, All right. which, which is quite funny. Um, yeah, so so we, we discussed things on that level, and, and also we, we sort of discussed things like, um, you know, some Freudian um, psychology, um you know, kind of the philosophers like Nietzsche, uh, Schopenhauer. Um, I mean, we even sort of covered things like, um, you know, sort of Alexander Solzhenitsyn for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Archipelago came up here and there. And, and this, this idea of, of kind of really examining uh, oneself and how the, the, the actions of uh, our actions impact on things and this kind of effect of things ricocheting off and into the future um so there, there was a lot of discussion about how time affects things and and also you know the obvious discussion about you know kind of where culture is leading and you know a lot of that was woven into the ideas that especially the artworks in in the album outside and then subsequently earthling there, there was a sense of of where where is our thinking and our perspective leading to where where is it going to take us is it taking us to some spectacular um you know astonishing future or, or is it leading us you know off the edge of the, the cliff into sort of a dystopian doom-ridden um picture of, uh, of the world so mm. a lot of those kind of discussions went on brilliant so why why a, tar a tarot what, what, what do you find the, is the power of the tarot for you yeah the tarot is it's, in it's interesting because um you know, for many years, I, I was drawn to the tarot, especially when I was a teenager, funnily enough, because I, I just loved all the, the rich imagery. And I, I didn't necessarily 
there was no one in my family that was particularly uh, that way inclined. Although you know, my my father was a musician um, who worked in a restaurant business, right. and, and my mum actually in her sixties um, gave up uh, work and became an artist. So you know, there, there was a, there was a sense of, of a real visual and artistic richness in in within my upbringing. And my uncle was an artist who was very influential on me as well. Uh, but, it, you know, the imagery of the... T I think someone bought me a tarot deck when I was maybe about 14, uh, th uh, mistakenly thinking it was a pack of cards, I think, right. you know, playing cards. Um, and, you know, I kind of opened this thing up and I was just, like, blown away. I think it was just, like, a standard Rider Waite deck. It, it wasn't anything, you know, kind of over-elaborate. But I just... I was kind of just drawn to the way these characters um, kind of found their way through the, this, this, these 78 kind of little micro-drama situations. And it, it dawned on me even back then that, you know, that if, if one could sort of in, kind of embrace some of the, the teachings that are in these cards, there is, there is, there is wisdom to be had. And um, so that, that's kind of how it started. And later on, I, I really started to to kind of get this sense that I think I, I wrote a book called The Guiding Principle where, where I, I really talk about the fact that, you know, if if one is willing to make the investigation, there there, there, there is a real tangible presence or, or presences in life, you know, that that come to us and, and guide us and give us certain, um, you know, kind of wisdoms at, at, at the right time if, if we're open to them. And I felt the tarot was a really good way of, of kind of just catalyzing that process for myself initially. And then, you know, I, occasionally I would do it for other people and give, just, you know, just play with that as a, as a possibility. And also the archetypes within the tarot, you know, the, it, of course it's a classic hero's journey, you know, the fall going through the, you know, starting off as kind of the, the, the fall in my deck is actually called the sacred clown, the sort of the life as the trickster um, you know, un unencumbered by by all of the the seeming restrictions of life and culture and and beliefs, um, you know, just grandly strolling through life and turning things upside down, and then you know, finding all all the way through to you know the the, the highest possibilities for our, our human existence. So, I feel that it's it's a way that we can examine ourselves and examine ourselves. Um, from a slightly detached perspective, so we, you know, a bit like when someone takes a plant medicine. Sometimes, you know, you, you almost get to to see yourself, see the, the the drama of your life from a detached perspective, and and not be emotionally tied up in it. So I thought that the tarot was a very interesting way of exploring that as a possibility. Well, I've picked some cards, David, for you to comment on, and uh, they're very beautiful, bright, powerful, with lots of sacred geometry, street art, you know, um, all kinds of imagery. The first one I've picked is this Two of Cups, and here we have two lovers seated in a kind of tantric yubbyum position with, uh, they're very colorful themselves, almost like merging into this background, this colorful wall with, again, with lots of imagery, there's a caduceus and there's behind them, there's these two chalices with evocative colors emerging and it's scripts that could be like, almost like light language or something around them. What about this card, David? <laughs> two cards. Yeah, the, I mean, it's interesting that the, the, the tantra position really came into that card for me. I, I mean, traditionally, um, I mean, if you look at traditional decks, there's 
in a sense, I'm trying to keep the essence of the card of, of what it was, but you know, doing it in a different way. And, and for me, this is kind of really like a you know, kind of a, a real merging and, and healing of the masculine and the feminine. Um, and you know, kind of when those two principles are united and united in a sense for a, a kind of sacred purpose, um, it, it opens up you know, extraordinary possibilities for ourselves. And in the card, I've kind of sort of set it in this sort of urban environment where it's sort of, you know, it's kind of like this brick wall is opening up to reveal this this something behind it. There is something extraordinary behind it. And and I feel that that, that really, this card really encapsulates the fact that, you know, w within the ordinary, or, or maybe you could even just say that lurking behind the, the ordinary is the extraordinary. So, mm -hmm. you know, within our lives there are these these principles that play out the masculine the feminine principle uh, the active principle the passive principle that that really they in a sense they're they're one and the same thing but in the realm of duality they they, they seem to play out differently and I think that this card for me personally it, it's really very much about bringing those two things together and when that happens, in a sacred, on a sacred arena or a sacred platform, it opens up the possibility for immense healing. And I feel that it's almost like we, we can kind of strip away or, or move through this uh, facade of, of limitation that, that a lot of culture, like, you know, limiting beliefs, uh, limiting beliefs about who we are, what's possible, how we can heal, what we can create. So this for me is, is, is a real, it's a card of healing, hence I've got the caduceus there, and it's also a card of, of really sparking new possibilities and imaginations and and feeling that there's this wondrous possibility of union w within the human condition as well. Beautiful. So the next card I've got here is the Six of Wands, which is like a golden magical figure striding through this very bright landscape with all kinds of figures bowing down and these very golden wands flying around the, the, the I'm not sure if it's a magician's head. Mm. Um, what about this card? Yeah, the Six of Wands in, in the Starman Tarot, I, I mean, again, it's actually, it's not, not a million miles away from what it is in a traditional deck. I see this very much as kind of like the returning hero so the conquering hero, you know, has to return to his or her land, in a sense. And it's almost like that, that return journey, a bit like Odysseus in, in, in Holmes Odyssey. You know, it, it's the act of returning and, and delivering something of power and, and wisdom and wonder from your experiences uh, on the surface would seem like a, it would seem like that that's that's great that's a fantastic thing to do and that's a you know the journey home must be great because you're you, you, you've gained all this wondrous wisdom but historically the um, and mythologically the, the returning hero is not always um, what it seems and uh, for example with Odysseus he's kind of washed up on the shore with you know he, he goes out with uh, a huge, incredible army, and he's he's washed up on the shore of his homecoming land on a plank of wood. Mm. Um, and and this hero in the card is really coming back and, and and bringing bringing wisdom and in a sense magic from the land the the land that he has been to. 
So it, you could say, well, he's he's a conquering hero, um, uh, a triumphant. Maybe the word is a triumphant hero, but on his return, he has to demonstrate and show and give some um, some solidity to the the new understandings and the new um, uh, wisdoms that that he now possesses. So when you journey out, you come back with something new. It's like coming back, like going to a different country and and living there for a while, and then you come back to your own country. And it seems as if you've been kind of, um, in a sense, garnished with with some other form of knowing, and you see your, your own culture differently. And in a way, what's happening with in this card, you know, He's coming back, you know, the the wands, the fire of the wand is, uh, it, he has command over these things. And, and in the sense that the figures that you see around are, are, are kind of like, they're sort of partly sort of bowing down in, in sort of worship, but also there's there's a sense of fear of what what he's come back with. So it's a bit like this process of coming back into something coming even just coming back into your work or coming back into your body in a different way so there's a, there's a sense of trepidation and other people around you have to to also change this is why sometimes when you when you've done something amazing and and you sort of hang out then with people that you've known it's almost like you don't they don't know you anymore and the, the often they you, you know, friends, people that were friends can drift off because the the energy that you now possess is somewhat different to the energy that they were originally attracted to you for. Mm. And, and sometimes it can even create opposition and, and fear within those people. Um, and for other people, it can give, give them a sense of sort of, you know, kind of adulation for you as well. So there's all these different dynamics and that card sort of is really about kind of the... the the, the triumphant hero returning into their environment with with something new and something wondrous. Let's have a look at one of the archetypal cards and probably the most powerful one in a way for me is the star man itself, uh, mm. a figure that looks like very much like David Bowie striding through or standing on a sea of light with loads of um, kind of ripples around and sacred geometry and you know, this tree of life and flower of life and various scripts in the background, the Metatron's cube. Obviously, sacred geometry is very powerful for you, David. What can you say about this card? Well, yeah, this card, it's, um, it's probably my, my thing of the, some people accuse me of just like throwing, <laughs> throwing everything in right. to, uh, to, the, to the mix. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a bit like, um, I suppose, like Superman, Batman, um, Spider-Man and, you know, all of the, the Iron Man all thrown into one. And, and you know, for me, just the archetype of the Star Man, it really is kind of the, it really is sort of the alien, the, the idea of the alien messiah, the, the, the one who, in a sense, does journey from somewhere very different and, and comes to, to gift us something profound. And... As an archetype, I think it's, it's a very interesting one, a very powerful one to work with, because you can actually call upon this archetype to to gift you things when you when you most need them. In the sense, you know, to in in the traditional deck, it's kind of the magician or the alchemist, and, and in in a way, I think those things all weave into one. The star man is the magician. Um, he is the alchemist. He, he's also the, the you know the the, the alien messiah. Um, that that is able to manipulate reality in in a very um, 
powerful and different way mm. and to show us things and you know to come and show us things and it it calls upon us this card to to really be open to the the possibility of wonder and to be um enveloped in a sense of wonder and to take that sense of wonder and to do things with it so it's a very it's a very active principled card um and all of the symbology is really saying that you know life is filled absolutely filled to the brim with with such wondrous possibilities and so many beautiful rich um ideas and and you know things for us to play with and things for us to create with and and this card is like it's kind of the ultimate invitation to create and and really whenever this card comes up uh for me or if i'm working with someone in fact i use this card all the time i actually have this card sort of scattered around everywhere mm-hmm. and it just reminds me to really call upon all of the the, the beautiful and you know sometimes even difficult and challenging elements of life and to and to really create with them to be at my creative um height with within fully within my life to be fully creatively expressed that that that's what to give birth to things that actually have meaning and matter now i know if anybody's interested in this tarot they can go to starmantarot.com you could also buy it on amazon waterstones barnes and nobles or esoteric bookshops before we part, David, could you say something about, I know you're doing a tour later this year. Could you just say something about that? Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually um, put all of the dates fixed in. Um, the idea is that I'm doing a tour of uh, Canada and North America. And, of course, I'm open to doing tours in, in wonderful, exotic places as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, in a sense, the, the, the whole point of actually just going out there now and, and speaking to people and connecting is, is to sort of, plug this Starman tarot and, and it, it, into a kind of bigger vision of what, what I have. Um, and also with my wife too, um, you know, we, um, Esther, Esther DeAngelis, my wife, we, we worked on the Starman tarot book together. And there's a, there's a lot in that book that actually ties into this higher purpose and, and what both of us are really focused on in the world. And, um, you know, it, it, it really is to astound to, to enrich and I suppose you know really have the have possibly to vitalize and innovate life and in that process just help really help as many people as possible to sort of actualize their fullest creative potential so you know there's a mission behind this it's it's not like I'm, I'm just creating um, you know kind of pretty pictures and hoping that people like them um, the, often people don't like this deck actually it's it's it, it triggers a lot of things for some people and you know it's it's quite funny how um you know i i think when you plug something into a into a really big vision and what you're what you're up to in the world what what you're willing to stand for and what you're willing to move forward with um it it really in a sense it it gets rid of tire kickers and and wheel spinners you know so you know the the purpose with with getting out there and touring and speaking um in in the coming months and years, um, decades even, I don't know, is to really sort of promote this this, this greater vision. And the Starman Tarot is kind of like a um, kind of a holding pattern for what for what the greater vision really is. And you know, I really passionately believe that that creativity is is, is kind of a is kind of a divine gift, I suppose you could call it. You know, a gift from providence that that will 
ultimately enable us to to really change things fundamentally in the world. And you know, I think it's a it's it's an innate quality of reality that at uh, this creative. You know, I always almost treat it like it's a it's an it's an actual thing that I can communicate with and I can bring into play. And you know, I can vastly heighten the quality of my own life and. And, and I believe that I, I can help people to use it to vastly enhance the quality of their life, their children's life, their friends' life, their community's life, and on and on it goes. And, and I, I feel that it's, it's really a vocabulary that we all possess. And, and I think in our culture, it's been a vocabulary that, in a sense, has been kind of downgraded. And this is where I got into the kind of like the reuniting of art and magic. I feel that this is very fundamental in our culture, and I think it's something that's been, you know, lost at our, at our you know, great cost. And I think people like um, Alan Moore, you know, the, the, the guy who wrote uh, The Watchman, and, you know, he's the, the big beardy guy, you know, he's, 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 a, he's a wonderful comic book writer mm. and, and, you know, kind of visionary in a sense. And, you know, he very much talks about this, how, you know, the ability to reunite art and magic is a first step in kind of reuniting, you know, all of these elements like, you know, mind, body and spirit together under one unifying principle. So, you know, that is a very long way of saying what, really? what I'm up to, but that, that's the ultimate vision of the tour. It, 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 the Starman Tower is kind of like a, it, it's a core catalyst within that, that much bigger vision. Brilliant, David. Well, thanks so much for chatting, and do give my love to Esther. Oh, she sends her love to you as well, so. <laughs> okay.